What challenges and benefits do Salesforce ISVs foresee regarding AI code generation and development speed compared to other programming languages like Java or Python? How will the advancements in AI impact the role of Salesforce admins in the future? Welcome to Artificial Intelligence Innovations Meets App Exchange, the bi-weekly show that explores the impact of AI in the Salesforce ecosystem. I'm Jakub Stefaniak, Salesforce Certified Technical Architect and VP of Technology Strategy and Innovation at Akiva Labs, where we help App Exchange partners accelerate their adoption of the latest technologies and get the most out of their Salesforce partnership. In each episode, we sit down with leaders from App Exchange ecosystem to discuss the latest trends and innovation in AI, product development opportunities, and ethical considerations. Our goal is to address critical challenges faced by business, build a community of engaged professionals, and provide insights into the latest trends and innovation in AI to help you stay informed and ahead of the curve. So, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's dive into the world of AI and App Exchange. Andrei, thank you a lot for accepting our invitation. Could you at the beginning introduce yourself and your role in App Exchange ecosystem? Thank you, Jakub, for having me. It's an honor and pleasure. So I am representing a company called uh, Provenworks, uh, which is a developer of the applications for Salesforce since 2008. So we've been on the ecosystem quite long. I've only been with the company for the last two years, but I've been on the ecosystem since 2011 and as a user of Salesforce. Awesome. And just to give us some context, Provenworks is quite a unique kind of ISV, right? Because the, you created quite a few products and your target, if I understand correctly, is to creating like lots of small apps which solve specific cases. Do I understand it correctly? Yes, the company uh, through its history has been looking at the use cases which have been identified by the, some of our founders who have been also working as the Salesforce admins and they saw that something was missing on the Salesforce side. So we were coming up with the products which were supposed, which were able to help basically the users sometimes make their life of admin easier. And that continues to be our way of basically making business. We are most often getting our customers from Salesforce admin finding us on App Exchange when they have a problem. Yeah, and you know, they can have a problem with their address data, they can find our address validation product, they can have a problem problem with getting the data into Salesforce, they can find our import product, they can find the uh, have a problem with the verifying the phone numbers, which is specifically UK case, they can find our phone verification product. Exactly. And what I really like about your business model, there are many app exchange partners affected by feature shock, which occurs when an application becomes bloated with too many features, leading to complexity and confusion for users. So your idea of building many small apps to solve specific problems sounds like a very elegant solution. Obviously, to create lots of apps, you have to create lots of code. And it's something what we've spoken during our last meeting in London, during London Calling. Do you currently use AI to generate Salesforce-related code? Well, I mean, to address the, the, the point you've, you've just mentioned at the beginning, yes, we do have different products and it comes with advantages and disadvantages. The disadvantages is that sometimes people do not find us by the name of the company, but by the name of the product. So we can run into the people thinking that we are proven tools 
or because the products are called like address tools, for example, and people say, ah, you are from proven tools or address works. So they, mm-hmm. there, is, there is a little bit of that. In regards to the code, I mean, obviously, the majority of the product architecture represents the native part, which sits in Salesforce, and then the part where the magic happens, which sits in Microsoft Azure. And that is also kind of more or less working in a similar way. So once you have the, the template, it's sort of working in the, in the same way. Uh, regarding the AI-specific topic, we did look into that, and I've spent quite a lot of time using the uh, capabilities of ChatGPT and other open AI systems to generate the code. Also, personally, for me, it was interesting. I was, I'm not that much on the developer side. So unfortunately, what I have discovered is that because ChatGPT's knowledge is limited by the year of 2021, and Salesforce has developed a lot of adv- advances and changed a lot of things since that time, most of what has been developed required a lot of reworking by some of our team members who have, like, I would say, more experience in the code part. In the code part. Mm-hmm. So I suppose that after Salesforce AI Day and announcements about Apex GPT and so on, it is one of these big promises that with Salesforce AI, some of these problems are going to be solved. Do you think, like... At this moment, like using OpenAI, ChatGDP is like making a real change in performance of your development team, or you consider it rather as a novel and something like nice to play with? In our experience, if you're using it for Salesforce-specific coding, which is you know doing stuff around Apex, this is more a, this is more a game, uh, you know, a toy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, if you need to use it for more traditional languages which have less evolved over the past two years like python for example so when we are working on the components which would be adding like pure ai features to our products there the usage of chat gpt for the code code creation of the code is very much very much useful but not for the apex part and not for the interfaces this is how i would see it right now Okay, yeah, that's one of the common point of view on this, that in Salesforce ecosystem, we are in quite a good place because we are going to see all these real changes happening earlier in Java world, Python, and so on. So we have like some extra time to adapt before all these things are going to be available for us. On the other hand, as ISV, do you see it as potential challenge that like historically development on Salesforce platform was always much, much faster and was like competitive advantage which, of course, then you are paying quite a lot with your license fees. If Salesforce is not going to be able to deliver this code generation in as a good way as in Python, do you think like sooner or later as ISV you can consider stepping out from the platform? I don't think so. So we've been committed to the platform for 15 years and we remain committed to the platform. And I think in the future, actually, being committed to the platform represents an advantage for an ISV. Exactly because of what you said, the cost of development will go down and you will be able to create new products, you know, outside or inside the platform faster and cheaper and with less resources. So what is be- what becomes more important for an ISV is being on the platform, is reputation of being on the platform, you know, your awards you're getting on the platform, your go-to-market, how you're working specifically on the platform. So the, the more you are engraved into the platform, the more you're part of the platform, I think the more successful in the future you are going to be. Because the pure advantage of basically having army of programmers who can write everything for you is going away. Mm-hmm. 
that makes a lot of sense. And talking about being on a platform, I'm curious, do you have either already or at least on your roadmap, some AI-enabled features for your applications which you are currently working on? Absolutely. So this is definitely, you know, like everyone is, is already talking about this and this needs to start happening. So we are currently piloting the sort of, you know, co-piloting for the admins. Yeah, again, our tools are targeted at admins. And the more we give them access or easier way to do things where they are doing right now, the easier it's going to be. Yeah. So we are working on basically automatically suggesting certain things while you're importing the data, for example, automatically suggesting the mappings, automatically selecting the object when you're bringing the data into Salesforce. The other side of our product is that, yes, we are being found normally by admins. And the admins are, but the admins are using our product to offload themselves and to enable regular users or sometimes even community users to basically bring the data into Salesforce or do some kind of data tasks, yeah, without that being afraid that they break something. So again, AI help and automation of certain tasks, which are being done by regular users, will be also an advantage. So those are the areas where we are specifically targeting. Mm -hmm. And could we speak a little bit how it works under the hood? Do you use like OpenAI API at this moment to make this AI automation or is it like some different solution? Well, at this moment we are using the OpenAI, but the one which is hosted on Azure, on Microsoft, yeah, the Microsoft, because all the other things which we have are also hosted on Azure, yeah. And it's, uh, I would say it's pretty straightforward exercise, yeah. The question of whether the customer data goes to AI or sits inside, I think this is the key question. And during the uh, events of last week at London's Calling, we have been shown a little bit how Salesforce proposes to do it, which was which came as a surprise to me. I don't know what you think, where they said, we, you will still be using the same models, but we will just help you to anonymize the data or to mark the data. So that, that was a surprise for me. I was actually hoping that Einstein GPT will mean they will have their own engine which will be similar to the engine which Microsoft has, OpenAI has, Google has, and the others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so with Salesforce events, I have a thing that is always about looking what is the strong marketing message and what are the real reasons. And with Salesforce, like they are, of course, promoting the Einstein GPT, mostly focusing on how secure it is. And what at top of this you can say, so like if by making this data anonymization, you can promote other products, it makes lots of sense from their point of view. On the other hand, you know, like when I'm looking on this purely from security perspective, as long my data are not, are not going to be added to the model, it's not a real threat. Maybe like sooner or later to have like some certification, I don't know, to be HIPAA compliance and so on, we are going to see more and more new regulation, which then are going to give us like very clear guidance how to go that way. But for now, like lots of the stuff is kind of a gray area, right? So it depends on the, the definition of the vendor and provider. What do you really understand as secure or not in this environment? As long as it's not part of the model, I don't see it like technically as a big threat. I agree with you here. And also I can, we can, I can bring experience, which we deal quite a lot with. Yeah. So again, as part of our product, involves external data source. Either it's a data we're bringing in or it is the data which we're using to verify. Like when we verify the postal address, we use a global a database of postal addresses, which you cannot put inside Salesforce. It's practically impossible. So it sits outside. 
So with every second, or now even more, now maybe 75% of our customers put a, put a strong pressure on us, asking us what's going on with the data. Are you sending the data outside of Salesforce? Where is it going? So if this, this, if this is even before we start talking AI and chat GPT. This is the normal everyday operation. Is the data going to Microsoft? Where which of the Microsoft location mm-hmm. it sits? For example, just maybe a side point. Yeah, in the Microsoft implementation of AI, there are limited zones of Microsoft where AI is now available. So, for example, theoretically, if I have a customer who sits in France and I want to offer them AI component of my product right now of Proven Works, I have problems with that because there is only one area i think in us where part of the microsoft ai is hosted not the whole thing but the part so i will have to work with that area so there is there is still so many moving parts in this whole ecosystem especially from the security point of view and especially if the customer is putting a lot of pressure on the isv saying let's explain us where the data is going explain us how it's happening be very 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 specific one we spend a lot of time dealing with those security questionnaires and two basically those questions will grow longer with the AI and other concerns uh, hitting basically the, the heads of our potential customers. Mm-hmm. So do you think that after Salesforce AI is going to be generally available for ISVs, you will naturally switch to it or because you still have like your loads of extra systems working on Microsoft stack, you're going to rather stay with Azure implementation? I mean, the core components of our products are not going to change. We will have to use external database for postal address verification, or we'll have to use external processing for bringing third-party data into Salesforce. The AI components we're going to be using on top, we can put them inside Einstein GPT, mm-hmm. yeah, the version of that. And But because we anyway have to go through all of these security reviews anyway, we as we're doing right now yeah i think there will be a little bit bigger room for us to maneuver and if the customer is because we did have customers unfortunately who walked away because we told them your data will have to go out of salesforce because there is no technical Mm -hmm. way to verify your address postal address without going out yeah of course so there will be always customers who will go away and maybe with the ai wave there will be more of those but i think it's a very good place to be because it sounds like we are not so concerned what is going to be pricing for Einstein GPT, right? Because then if it is not going to be very ISV friendly, you have a pretty strong alternative for yourself. Correct. But we shouldn't forget Einstein GPT as it was presented to us last week is still just a layer between the other GPTs. So it's not GPT by itself, which was a huge surprise for me. Yeah. It was, it's just an extra layer. Yeah. So you will still have to pay for the other GPT, whatever one you use, and also for Einstein GPT. So it's an extra layer, an extra cost, and extra complexity. Mm-hmm. With the pricing, I would make assumption that we should wait and see what will happen. Because like with Salesforce, if you are like provider of extra service, you can theoretically hide this cost of OpenAI and just give a little bit higher lump sum or like charge per usage. So I would say for me, it's still kind of a big unknown and probably before the inference, we are not going to know the answer how it really works. But yeah, that's, that's definitely is going to be a busy year for all AI-related topics, right? 100%, 100%. And talking about security and compliance, we've spoken essentially that as well as you seems to struggle a little bit with answering 
all these things, right? Uh, do you have any idea how AI can help with solving this kind of the administrative work and answering these kind of questions? Yeah, thank you for the question. Yeah, I think this is something which kind of been on my mind already for quite some time because, you know, I like put things into structure. Yeah, and once I, we, we get those security review questions, Originally, it was completely unstructured. Like, you know, every time there is a new review question has come in, it looks like new. The whole team is like running around like, oh, where do we get this? How do we answer that? So we started first internally to put a little bit more structure into that, like creating document storages, places where people can go for security policies for previously answered questions. And once it all became structured, the kind of the logical thought reappeared. Why don't we use some form of generative AI, which will, instead of us going through those documents, pre-populate the answer for us. And we can only we can only go to, to verify them, yeah? So we did come up with the small internal tool, which we currently use at ProvenWorks, for basically pre-populating all those security reviews. It's actually available, and, you know, I'll give you the data. You can add it to the links uh, to your podcast. So, I mean, there is a free tier on that tool, so people can try it and people can see if it is a usable tool for them. The way to work is like upload all your security policies, upload any previous security questionnaires which you had already completed, and then basically ask the questions and the, uh, the answer will, will be generated using the large label models and the data which will be in the vector store index. That sounds very interesting. And obvious follow-up created traffic changes. What about code base? Because, you know, it would be nice to be able to as well speed up the security review process for app exchange, right? Do you see any chances how AI can help with this? Well, practically, yes. Because, again, you can still use the AI to generate tests, for example, because it still analyzes the code in a very good way. Yeah. Unfortunately, the challenge of it knowledge limitation by 2021 and the changes salesforce have made since for the last two years in terms of how you develop do you really use you know classic lightning lightning world component how do you really go through you know things and that practically i did try to do a couple of things and i came into too many questions which i was not able to answer because i'm not like a salesforce developer yeah so potentially, if you are a Salesforce developer, maybe you are able to use the tools, I mean, the AI to help, because that tool will need a lot of guidance to mm -hmm. do it. I'm very happy to hear that, because as you know, as product development outsourcer in Akiva, what we are doing for a living is to help you with security reviews other ISVs. So the fact that AI is not going to steal our job so easily is definitely something what I wanted to hear. And no, not at the moment. No, not in the moment. Exactly, we have as well some time to prepare. And talking purely about security from the assessment point of view, I'm curious: how big problem are hallucinations, and do you see a chance that literally the output can be good enough to like fill the full questionnaire, or is rather decision supporting system when anyway you need to have uh, some security analysis going through everything, verifying, fixing some hallucinations, and so on. Well, first of all, hallucinations can be controlled by the temperature of the model, yeah? And I'm assuming people who would listen to us would do, would understand both of those terms, yeah, hallucinations and the model temperature. Well, I did come across very strange answers, yeah? Especially if the temperature of the model is, is, is getting higher, yeah? So that's why I would still call it a decision support system. You very correctly pointed, you know, 
I do not see at this moment that this is an automated tool. However, I've been talking about this whole concept of pre-population of certain questions to other people because in essence, it doesn't have to be specific to security reviews. It can be also other things, yeah? And mostly people are saying that because currently there is nothing in other areas as well. I was talking to people in the finance and they were talking, yeah, asset managers need to answer those questions to the banks and also people would be accepting even a helper as a stage one. I think people should will be happy with getting somebody to help them in terms of the pre-populating the data. And then they spend half an hour reviewing that because currently it takes them still much more. Mm-hmm. That makes lots of sense. So maybe to wrap it up, as most of applications are dedicated to make admin lives easier. And I believe lots of people like working with Salesforce as admins as well. Like when you see announcements about Flow GPT and so on, like all these automations are going probably make lots of impact on their work. Do you have a feeling that from this kind of the part of world point of view, AI should be considered rather as a threat or rather as opportunity to make admin lives easier? I definitely see it as an opportunity for admin's life, yeah. A lot of people are talking about it as a threat more for developers, and it's partially the case. However, you know, we've seen those evolutions, yeah, and people were saying, okay, now it's coming and everything is changing. I mean, the life of developers will change, but there will be still need to, maybe software engineers will change to prompt engineers. I don't think it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be a change, but not such a dramatic. For the admins, just to go back to your question, I believe this will be a huge help. And if the person is an admin and there are a lot of tasks which require automation, any form of automation will always be easier to pick up by some sort of AI, which will then follow up and do things faster and at the time when somebody can do other things. Perfect. Thank you a lot for sharing your insights and finding time for us. Thank you, Jakob. It's my pleasure. Thank you so very much for tuning into this episode of AI Innovations Meets App Exchange. We hope you enjoyed the insightful discussion and found this episode valuable. To stay updated on our latest episodes, be sure to sign up for our newsletter and never miss a beat. If you have any questions or want to engage with us further, we'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Until next time, keep exploring the exciting world of AI and App Exchange.